Welcome to the MS Dev Show episode number 16. This week we talk with Nokia ambassador Lance McCarthy about Windows app development, an update to Windows Phone 8.1, and we look back to C for programming fundamentals and look forward to C Sharp 6. So Carl, I'm really excited this week. We have an action-packed episode and uh, we should be able to finish this in about 10 hours. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, good thing I got a... I got a Red Bull here and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we got a ton of news. We got an awesome guest this week. So we have uh, Lance McCarthy. He's a Windows Phone developer and he was working for Telerik. How's it going, Lance? Pretty good. Thank you for having me on, guys. Beautiful yeah, it's... day up here in uh, the Boston area and uh, <laughs> enjoying it. Nice. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great having you on here. So this is uh, we, we got a lot of good stuff this episode. So let's just jump right into the news. So the first thing you have on here, Carl, Windows Phone 8.1 update. Do you want to talk about this? Yep. Today, uh, just for the record, is August 4th as we're recording. And as of this morning, the those of you who have subscribed to the developer preview get 8.1 update. Um, I already downloaded it and got it on, and it's full of a bunch of new features. Um, uh, Cortana is coming to the in beta form to a few few more countries. Um, one of the really exciting things I know a lot of people uh, are looking forward to is the the live folders. So you can actually pin a bunch of apps into a folder on your start screen, um, kind of in a similar way that iOS does it. But yet, you know, in a way that's true to the 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 live tile, you know, persona and look and feel. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's. Yeah, I wanted to comment on the folders. What's. It's interesting, interesting about this. I've been using these for a few weeks as I've had access to this for a while, but the um, the folders were not, you know, they were were never really necessary in Windows Phone because you have sort of this infinite scroll, whereas on an iPhone, you have a whole bunch of different screens that you flip through. That being said, I have found these things useful. I, I struggled at first. At, at first, I threw a whole bunch of apps into a couple different folders, kind of just trying some different combinations. And what I found what I ended up with, I have two, two folders that kind of stuck and there's probably some other that other ones that I could come up with, but like I have one for travel as an example, because it's a, it's something that, that I do infrequently, but when I do it, I have a whole bunch of apps, you know, I have the, the Delta app for flying. I have the navigation apps. I have my trip application, which keeps track of all my accommodations and all those types of things. And then I have another one for work and it's got all my, my work related apps so I've actually, I found the folders to be useful, even though when I first saw them, I'm like, mm, you know, what's, what's the point of this? But they are useful. This was actually my favorite feature so far. Um, games is my favorite. All oh, right. Yeah. It's good. Folder good already. Yeah. I was just counting them as you were explaining that I have 19 games that would take in a good portion of my start screen. So, mm-hmm. uh, and the animation spectacular. You can tell somebody put a lot of thought into the way that the tiles drop out and the way the tiles spin on the folder. It's an elegant touch to a feature that we didn't know we wanted the way that it got implemented. And it's gorgeous. I love it. Right. And you made a good point. The The live tiles still work inside of the folder. Like I can still see information inside of there, which is pretty neat. Yep. So what yeah, else is there, a, Carl? So there's also stuff about SMS merging and forwarding. You can also delete individual SMS items and, you know, a few things around that. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a new thing. I actually have not played with this yet. It's called apps corner mm-hmm. and kind of like how you have kid mode. As far as I understand what this is, this is a place where you could kind of put it in a mode where you could hand it off to somebody else and they only have access to those apps that you've put on there. 
Right. So it's really important. Like uh, we all know that there's uh, airlines have uh, given out uh, Windows phones to their uh, their flight staff. And what this would allow them to do is only, you know, if they need to hand the phone to somebody in order to, you know, finish a finish a purchase, it only has the apps on there that are, you know, customer facing. So you can't get into the personal things or the other management things that the flight attendants themselves might have uh, access to. So this is kind of cool that way. Um, there's also the ability uh, to do Internet sharing over Bluetooth. And I know that's something that a lot of people have asked for. And uh, you can also do VPN for consumers. Uh, in 8.1, it was enabled for enterprise only. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gives you know us as consumers another way to you know get some of those VPN capabilities that were available corporately. Yeah. As, as you know, we don't do a lot of prep before the show. We kind of wing the whole thing. And uh, so I'm just trying out this app corner now. I, honestly, I hadn't looked at it before. So yeah, whenever you launch it, definitely puts you into like a kiosk mode. So even if you turn off the phone, turn it back on, you're back into that same app. And then you have to use a special action to get it out of that, which I can't seem to get right now. <laughs> Doing yeah. it live. Yeah. So, so looking at this from the developer point of view, uh, we're going to have a link in the show notes. Uh, somebody created a paste bin that shows all the new Windows Phone 8.1 update APIs that there were. And it kind of hints that there's um, APIs around uh, phone accessories. So a lot of people, you know, the big buzzword right now is, you know, having some sort of smartwatch or something, but there's a lot of APIs around that about, um, alarms and notifications, uh, a little bit more integration with Cortana, uh, things like that. So we'll, we'll have a link out there. There's quite a few API endpoints to, to check out. And of course, another thing that came out with this today as well as the SDK itself and new emulators uh, for visual studio. Oh, okay. So even if you don't want to put this on your phone or you don't have a Windows phone, you can actually try out this version of Windows phone through the exactly. Emulator. Okay. Yep. That's nice. So um, taking that um, a next step further, breaking away from just Windows phone news, uh, today was also a big day uh, for Visual Studio Update 3 for 2013. Uh, Azure SDK got updated, mm-hmm. as well as the Apache uh, Cordova tools. Uh, that's still in CTP mode, but they got refreshed as well. So there's a lot of developer focused, you know, tools and fun stuff to play with today. Yep. You get an update, you get an update, you get an update. <laughs> yep. Lots of updates. Okay. And then this next one here, this was on, uh, I think Scott Hanselman spoke about this one, this NuGet package markdown log makes log files much prettier. I found this one interesting because I'm, I'm obsessed with markdown now. And, and I, I know that you started using it as well, Carl, for, for some things. This was kind of neat because you can, um, oh, you're moving things around on me. I was about to click on it. So <laughs> <laughs> this one is pretty neat because what it lets you do is, is basically output objects in .NET to a markdown format. So it's a markdown formatter for, um, for objects, basically, for whenever you do like a, a two string. So it's got different uh, methods in here for, for spitting those out. So you can take a, um, you know, an array of objects and spit those out into a markdown table, for example. And, you know, I, by itself, uh, I don't, I don't know how incredibly useful this is unless you're actually trying to, you know, create something that, that is going to generate some markdown content. But I was thinking about this, what, what would be, this would be really nice for is in the actual, uh, immediate window in visual studio, you know, whenever you type in an object name and you have it print out, you know, if it's an object, 
of a certain type, it's sort of, you sort of get that ugly type string in there. And what I've always done in the past, and a lot of people weren't aware of this, there's actually an attribute you can put on your uh, classes and it is called, uh, it's called a debugger display attribute. So you can actually put above a class, you can say debugger display, and you can put a specially formatted string in there that will tell it, um, whenever you hover over it in Visual Studio, it'll, you know, show it or tell it how to actually display that. Um, so what I was thinking was, I don't think it could be specifically combined with that. There, there's a possibility. I, I'm not sure if you can run code in there. Um, but basically, if you combine this markdown with your two string on your objects, you could actually get, you know, a decent view of objects whenever you're kind of playing around in Visual Studio. So you'd you'd paste, uh, you know, like my table into the immediate window and actually get markdown down there. So you could actually read it and and get a decent view of those objects. So I haven't I haven't quite put all the pieces together here, but I think there's there's an opportunity to, you know, get a real clean debugger view of of some of your objects whenever you're working with them. It, it's not something you typically use in production. Maybe you'd use it for logging, but at least during dev test, it'd be nice to see what's going on. Yeah, and we've all seen some pretty nasty logging. So any any way to make that more clear or more understandable for whoever needs to, you know, figure out what's going on, that yep. helps a lot. Exactly. Anything that helps out with, you know, developer productivity while you're building these things. You want to talk about this next one? The mobile web should work for everyone. Yep. So um, along with Windows Phone 8.1 update, um, Internet Explorer, Explorer is getting a lot of love. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that seems kind of small uh, that's changing, but the in the mobile view, the user agent string is getting an update. So in 8.1, the when you had on your phone, Internet Explorer in the desktop mode, that user agent string changed and it actually made it so the web worked better for it. Um, they got rid of a lot of the crutches that held it to the IE hacks of the past. So what this does is it brings those in sync and in line and uh, things should render more similarly between them. Uh, a few other things that are, uh, happened is uh they're making it work better to display the more popular websites uh, in a more consistent fashion with other mobile browsers. Mm-hmm. So they are uh, kind of taking some of those, you know, iOS and WebKit sub- uh, specific, you know, tags or what people may be coding specifically for those sites, and they're rendering them like iOS and WebKit would. Okay. Now, did you say that? Because I I know that the user agent changed in Windows eight one. I'm just trying to keep this straight. In this update, did the user agent change again? I'm looking at the... Okay, so yeah, when it ahead. changed, it changed. So on IE, on your phone, mm-hmm. there's desktop mode and mobile mode. Right. It changed already. For well, mobile mode, mode is the default. Mobile mode is the default. And this brings the change to that mobile mode. Right. Correct. So th- all those benefits that you got for in the desktop mode, just by this user user agent string change, you're you're going to be breaking some of the uh, IE specific hacks of the past mm-hmm. when people do browser detection based upon user agent strings. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm looking at the user agent right now. So it's Mozilla 5.0, mobile, Windows Phone 8.1, Android 4, ARM, Trident 7, Touch, uh, RV. I don't know what that is. Um, IE Mobile 11, Nokia Lumia 1520. It says like iPhone OS 703, Mac OS 10, Apple WebKit yep. 537, 
KHTML, like Gecko, mobile Safari. <laughs> yep. Now, the second thing that we started talking about is when it takes the WebKit prefix features, IE is going to now render them. So if they don't put the MS dash on there, mm-hmm. or if they forget to do the generic one, but they do have WebKit dash, they are going to start rendering that. Okay. So people who are designing for other browsers, I is going to do this too. Now, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of this because that's kind of what happened, got us into the IE6 problems. People started really coding for that. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're in a little bit different time. Uh, you know, I, I you're right about that. Um, and, and everybody hope, should just play fair. Yeah. And, and I, I think people have gotten I think developers, web developers have gotten a little bit smarter about how they do this. Um, I mean, it was just an easy trap to fall into because it was like, hey, IE does it this way. IE is the only browser. So let's, you know, let's let's develop like this. And then and then Firefox came along, Chrome came along and everybody's like, oh, OK, maybe we should do it this way. And I hope that that lesson was sort of learned to not, you know, get too specific there. There's times when you have to do that. But I think this is for the better because there were there were a lot of sites that just rendered wrong. This is what's right for the user. Um, you know, a lot of the sites that I go to, just everything, everything just works much better. And it really does just work. And I, I don't need to, as a, as a user, I don't get, need to get in the middle of this, you know, battle of developers building for a specific platform. Um, it, so yeah. I've been looking at some of the examples they have on the site. Yeah. Uh, Hawaiian airlines is a great example where in windows phone 8.1, you're getting a zoomed out view of the desktop. And with the 8.1 update, it looks, it looks great. It looks, you know, I think it looks way better than the screenshot next to it, which is for iOS seven. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of good examples on here where, you know, some of these sites were just not, not very usable. And, and to be clear, I think if, if people, if the developers of these sites, I mean, these were sites that were developed where they only tested on iOS. And had they tested across all the platforms, I don't, I don't think this would have to be done at all. So this, this is really fixing the problem at hand, not I mean, trying to create it, a new one. It even fixes, you know, big sites that we use every day, like Twitter, yeah. you know, on, on 8.1 currently, you get a, a fairly bland looking form that you can't zoom in on, you know, it, it's stuck. So, you know, if, if you can't see something, you know, it's hard to get into but after the update, you get, you know, get a fairly graphical, you know, you know, interactive version of Twitter. Right. And also for all the developers listening to the show, please test your sites on all the phones. And, and like we said, you can go out there. I think you can grab the Windows phone emulators for free, right? Because you could always grab yes. like the Express editions and, and, and do it that way. Just test them on there. Cause I'm, you know, it's, it's just really frustrating as a user going to these sites. You know, some of them are, are a responsive site. And, and to be honest, I should look at my own too. Um, I, I believe mine works fine. I, I really need to check every post though, as they come out, because what's frustrating is when something like the image doesn't have the max width set. So you can only see half the image. So you see a caption and it's like, Hey, look at this really cool thing. And you just see like half of it and it's impossible to scroll or zoom out. And that's, it's super frustrating as a user. Yeah. So I'm hoping I'm not one of those people. <laughs> If I am, shame on me. Uh, this one's exciting. Uh, first look at C Sharp 6 support. So this was a, a post by ReSharper uh, for ReSharper 9. You want to talk about this one, Carl? Or yeah, you- so there, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of really cool things coming up in C Sharp 6. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, this blog post just kind of gives us a glimpse that one, you know, here's a reminder of what they are, but two, that they already have, you know, other additional tooling in ReSharper to help make all of these language improvements even better. Mm-hmm. So one of the the biggest features that at least is getting a lot of press is uh, the conditional access operator. Yep. So what this is in in the past, instead of doing like, you know, object dot, you know, you know, and checking to see if it's null and then going in there, you know, you could be doing that several times. You need to have this tree of just checking if things are null. Yeah. If, if, if person is not equal yep. to null, if person dot name is not equal to null, if person dot name uh, dot first, first yeah, is not yeah. equal to null display so first name. Syntax, so, <laughs> you know, code over the air isn't that exciting, but this is easy to explain. So instead of doing that, you would do a question mark dot and then the property. And what that'll do is it'll do that null checking for you. Mm-hmm. So you can, the example they give is declaration dot body dot statements. So instead of doing that big tree for each one, you can do that. And what's kind of cool in, in their tooling, they're checking to see if you have some sort of hack already for that, because you could have written your own extension method that, you know, if not null, and then you put in a Lambda or something. Right. So they check for that and they, they'll allow you to automatically switch it to a conditional expression. No, so, they, they do really, really intelligent inspection. Yeah. And, and they have a lot of ways to flip it back and forth. Um, I think that's pretty exciting. Okay. Um, they also have some stuff on there about, you know, working with primary constructors in a little bit better way. Um, yeah, there's a couple things in here. So I saw one, uh, let's see, auto, was it auto property? Yeah. So yeah there, if this, it detects that you should be using an auto property, it'll. Yep. yep. But I like the fact that you can declare a new instance right in line. So you can do, man, yeah, it is tough to talk about code on here. But if you're, if you have a, a property declared and it's a private setter, you can just tell it, Hey, I want this to be a new, you know, what new foo. And, uh, you can just do all that in one line of code so that it gets initialized right away. Yep. The other thing, other than talking about their specific stuff is Mm -hmm. them at the very bottom, they explain how using Roslyn, which they have access to in their development process, just really helps speed them up. So looking at, you know, something that's coming out with C sharp six is the Roslyn compilers. Um, there's a lot of features in there that allow you to, you know, understand more about your code from the code. And uh, we're going to get these features too when that comes out. And I just keep hearing really good, positive feedback from people who are using that. And this is just another good example of, you know, people saying all of this stuff that was promised and it sounds great. It really is. Yeah. And just to be clear, the the source code for Roslyn, I believe is already available, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. If you go to it's on it's a roslyn.codeplex.com. You can check that out. I'm just looking through the code right now just to make sure that's the case. Yeah, I can see I can see all the code in there. That's pretty cool. Um so kind of building on top of that, one article I found this week that I found kind of interesting was it's called The Descent to See. And I like this one because you know, I went to I went to a a, a college, my my degrees in computer science where, you know, we had a lot of these foundational classes that at the, at the time seemed really tedious. And, and there, there's times when I look back and I'm like, man, that had nothing to do with what I do in my day-to-day job these days. But the fact is 
you know, this is, this is part of this, you know, on the underlying system that you use. And I think it's valuable for people to understand how this stuff actually works. Cause it starts to explain why you have performance issues in, in certain situations, even with these higher level languages. So this goes through, it has an introduction and it's, it's not trying to teach you the C language. It's trying to teach you the fundamentals as a C sharp or Java developer. You know, it's just talking about how memory is laid out, which really isn't that complicated. Um, how pointers work, which, you know, you, it's one thing to understand pointers. It's another to actually program with them. So even just going through this article and understanding, you know, the, the conceptually how they work. Um, let's see what else is in here. It's talking about arrays, allocated memory. Um, the fact yeah, that there's no screen cool. type. Yeah. And it's only, I mean, if you were to print this thing out, it's probably only like 10 pages tops. I mean, it's not, this is an, this is actually a pretty easy read for, for talking about a technical subject like this. No, I think it is. It's more of gives, it gives you an awareness of what you're working, what's working under the covers for you. Because mm-hmm. we, we do get used to the ease of, you know, C sharp and don't realize all the stuff that's going on underneath mm-hmm. that, or what we would have had to done if C sharp wasn't, wasn't available. <laughs> I can't right. imagine having to write and see. Yeah, it uh, in it, you know, I I always keep, you know, this you, I keep this in the back of my head whenever I'm writing even in C sharp because whenever you start doing things in C sharp, let let's say you you declare a string and then you add another string to it and you keep appending strings to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, people don't realize that it's actually making a, a copy of that each time. And yep. when you actually understand how the memory is laid out, I mean, the only way to avoid that would be to do like a linked list so that that memory would be linking all over the place to, to sort of bring all those strings together. But then that would be inefficient in a whole bunch of cases. So what C sharp is doing is it's actually grabbing a new memory location and shoving all of your characters in there, eventually destroying the old ones. And, you know, if you, if you start with C sharp and you, you, you haven't used a lower level language like this, you're gonna be like, why did they make the decision to do it this way? But it wasn't a decision to do it that way. It was just, you know, a, a reality of the underlying system. As a matter of fact, this is one of the reasons why I started using String Builder more often. Mm-hmm. I didn't use it as much before. If it was maybe two or three strings, I'd just append it. But now, automatically, I'll use String Builder. Yeah. Well, and and the the kind of the secret behind String Builder is that it, uh, you know, and until you actually get into huge strings, all this inefficient copying we're talking about, it really doesn't matter in the real yeah. world. And in, in fact, if you have three strings to put together, now if you if you want to keep your code uniform, that's one thing. But, you know, if you're if you're concatenating three strings together, that single copy operation that's that's ha- or that um, I guess multiple copy operation that's happening in the background is probably more efficient than your string builder anyway. But anyway, that's really getting into micro optimizations. So that was it for the news. So now we get to talk to Lance McCarthy. So we got we got a long, long list of credentials here. So we did a little bit of background check on you, Lance. And uh, <laughs> you're a you're a Telerik employee, a Windows phone developer. You're a Nokia ambassador, Microsoft MVP, former Harvard assistant professor and a forensic counselor. <laughs> pretty, and, and, pretty and I believe, too. On top of that, don't you fly planes? Uh, oh, I, I, I haven't that. gotten yeah, I haven't gotten my license yet. It's not enough time, but a Cessna 172 is a great plane. <laughs> yeah. Just throw well, that I, on top too. Yeah. Well, we understand why we why you don't have any time. Yeah. 
Now, if you could somehow write code while flying, oh, that sounds like a bad idea. That's probably against <laughs> some kind of FAA regulation, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> so do well, you want to lift it? Yeah, put oh, it, that's true. Yeah, for the devices. Yeah, right. And put put a Windows, put a Surface right into the dashboard. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. That yeah. would uh, that would be interesting. I know they're using them on the, you know, they're using them in the cockpits. They use them. The flight crew uses them now to take orders yep. on Delta, and that's that's pretty cool. And uh, um. What was the uh, what was the other thing with the with the surface? I had another example for you. Well, that's all right. Do you want to give us uh, a little bit of detailed background about yourself? Yeah, um, I'll start with my nine to five. As you mentioned, it was Telerik. I mm -hmm. am a senior support specialist at Telerik. I cover all the XAML products; they are my specialty. But I also help with you know ASP.NET AJAX, some Kendo. We have a wide variety of products, so I can't just you know. We do have specialists in the other areas, but we have to lend a hand. So I have a little taste of everything. But mm -hmm. when something comes in that XAML, it's my responsibility to handle it. Um, so I do that all day. I get to help and debug other people's code. And it's actually rewarding. Some people might balk at that, but I have I find generous satisfaction in you know finding that one bug and, and sending them back a working project. It's you know it's a great reward. Well, that's got to make you extremely knowledgeable about the ins and outs of of those products and of XAML as well. I'm sure you have a a, a way way better understanding of XAML than than I do, and probably of most people. Well, I mean, I learn something new at least two or three times a week. Right. Uh, I I go over to Bulgaria. Most of our major um, engineering teams are in Sofia, Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. So those are the guys that brainstorm, write the code, test it all, um, and I've been two weeks over there in june working with the teams one-on-one -on -one. what an enlightening experience learned so much uh, just I, i'll never stop learning and xaml is always interesting there's always something new um for example today i learned something new about mvm mvvm light i generally write my own view models but today i was working with the universal app and writing my own view models was not working as well as i expected i threw an mvvm light a view model locator, boom, everything just works. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's a process of evolution. Whether I started on phone and then went to Silverlight because that's the next evolution that they you know, their sister and brother. Mm -hmm. Then went to desktop, went WPF, and now we, you know, when RT Universe came out, and now it's just everything. Okay, pretty cool. One big happy family. Mm -hmm. So the Nokia job started off as Nokia. I'll give you a little background on that. So in October of 2011, Nokia sent out their feelers, their version of DPE. It's called DX, Developer Experience. They had Rich Dunbar, who is all of the – he's the lead ambassador. He was actually the first ambassador. He was the only one, and he did an initial program where write an app, we'll give you a Lumia 800. It did so well that they wanted to expand it. So they looked to the different regions of the U.S. and they said, who's up there that does Windows Phone or who knows that community? So they found somebody in each area and started off with nine ambassadors. So I was picked for the New England area, um, which we re in the beginning, it was just nobody had regions. Right? We didn't know what to expect. So I, I 
help devs in California and Seattle and everywhere else in the country. And although we could not do it officially overseas, I still helped them with their code, but I couldn't award them any devices, which is heartbreaking at times. Uh, and then it grew so fast that we needed to separate the region so that we could, you know, more efficiently manage our time and start holding events because in the beginning, it was just, hey, let's get you pizza. I'll come by and we'll talk and you know, and show your web developers about Windows Phone. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with Develop Day? No. So Develop Day was our first attempt at making a highly organized national event. So we did four events. One was in Boston. Uh, they're going to get mad at I me. Was, I don't remember the other ones. I was <laughs> at the one in Chicago. Oh, that's, yep. the, that's the event you went to, Carl. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So it's just a big day of training, cram everything into one day. Hopefully you got enough, you know, the range of people that showed up were knew nothing about programming to guys who did it nine to five. Uh, so it's great that we had a wide range of people there. Some people didn't know anything, walked away with the ability to write an app to at least get started. Some guys came and networked. Some guys came and just met us. So it's basically like a little code camp in one day then we gave you a couple weeks to publish an app if you published an app you got yourself a phone uh so it, it was pretty successful and you know we got to meet a lot of people and it did so well the first time that we did it a second time so we did one in chicago which is my region and in new york city which is nick landry's region mm-hmm. but we partner with the ambassador who's the closest to us uh so me and nick are a t- pretty much a team for our region we, we you know, we go and, and uh, we help each other at our at our events unless, you know, it's really local. I'll hold weekly events in Boston and the Boston metro area, maybe go up to New England. I mean, uh, New Hampshire or Vermont or something, do a small event. But generally, they're in the Boston area and each ambassador does the same thing. So during those events, do you still, you know, a- afterward, if they publish an app, do they still get a phone? It depends. Uh, okay. What I do is I do a giveaway because we can't do one phone per app like we do for Develop Day. Okay. So Develop Day was a, just a car launch. Say, hey, get an app in the store. Uh, here's your reward of phone for experiencing how easy it really can be to get published. Right. It, de- it demystifies the whole development process for whether it be a dev who's not native, might be a web guy, or doesn't you know might be scared of the unknown, or might be someone who's new. Uh, it, the whole idea behind it was to familiarize you with XAML and C Sharp, or if you were doing the HTML route, but get an app in the store. Uh, and that was the goal. We we rewarded you for it with the phone. Yeah, I gotta Locally, imagine that pushes them over the hump. It does. It does. Um, for example, Chicago uh, highest turnout I've ever had. So it was eighty five percent, I think. Wow. Just to put that in perspective. On average, it's 50% show up. So let's say you had 200 people register, only 100 usually show up. Okay. Uh, so we had 80% turnout, and uh, I think 85% published. Wow. So, yeah, it, it works very well. The phone is a good incentive, but once they see the ambassador's enthusiasm and, and they realize that we're here to help, you know, I answer emails all day. I used to do it between midnight and six, but my wife put a stop to that <laughs> you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, but, I don't meet many people who, who have published, you know, one app. It's always, 
you know, guys like you that have published a whole bunch or even, you know, yeah, so uh, somewhere between five and 10, you know, it just seems like once, once you get people started and they, they, like you said, they realize how easy it is, then that sort of pushes them over the edge and then they keep thinking up ideas and then it becomes easier for them to turn, you know, we all, we all have these ideas pop into our head, right? It makes it easier for them to turn those ideas into apps. Absolutely. And also under uh, understanding what is available you know, whether it's an API set or understanding the limitations of Windows Phone apps and how they work in their environment. Mm-hmm. I've had people ask me to, oh, can I write an app that sends a secret SMS that takes a snapshot of the user and their screen? I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> you know? And, and, so the, and you really don't want to. <laughs> no. And I explained that's exactly, you know, Windows Phone was developed this in mind. You want to save the user's privacy and phone resources. Mm-hmm. Your, you know, your app is protected. You're allowed a lot of space once your app's in the foreground. You can do a whole bunch of stuff, but once it goes to the background, it's suspended, and you know, it it stays there to the user. You can't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the battery was... lasted more than eight hours. Surprise! Right. right. Yeah, I was. I was thinking about an an app idea that I know would not be possible, but it would be nice because uh, I. I was at an event recently where there was a camera set up, and he was taking a time lapse video of us hacking all day. And it was kind of a neat YouTube video. And uh, I was just thinking about it. It would be kind of neat if your camera, if it if it was using the light sensor and any time it was out of your pocket, you know, every minute or 30 seconds it was taking a picture. And not to look at those individual pictures, but stitch those together. You know, you can make a video like the life of, the, of my phone. You know, I'm sure somebody has hacked a phone and figured out how to do that. But yeah, on the flip side of that, it would be a gross violation of, of privacy. <laughs> that thing taking right. photos of everything. Matter of fact, on Twitter, there was a conversation today uh, between two of the people I follow regarding um, getting access to the user's app list. And mm. it, start, it sparked a little con- uh, controversy because, okay, on one point, someone made a, raised a really good point of, oh, well, we get access to all their photos. Um, and then the counterpoint was photos aren't really as personal as apps, are they? And it went back and forth. It was pretty interesting. But in the end, the user gives permissions to access certain things. It's very clear when you download the app from the store and what it's doing. But it really can't do anything without your permission. Um, I like that. Uh, the only one that really aggravated me was the NFC tap. So mm-hmm. in 8.1, that's changed a bit. But originally, every time you tapped an NFC tag, you would have to approve it. You know, can your phone accept data from this NFC tag? But with 8.1, that's changed. So you can, uh, for example, Bluetooth LE devices, you know, a lot of times you sync with it or you have to tap it to start some sort of communication. If you approve that, it will, won't ask you every time. Okay, that's nice. You know? uh, so how, um, many, how many events do you end up running per year? Let's see. I've lost count. Uh, <laughs> I really have. Uh, so Saturday I held one um wp dev summer wp dev day and i wanted to uh introduce everybody to universal apps and just explore the anatomy it wasn't a deep dive it was just to familiarize them they want to deep dive they can i'm i'm really against forcing anything down anybody's throat because they're going to resent it because of you doing that so i lay it out and if it's interesting enough you'll be asked more and that's what happens um I I manage myself 381 devs, but to me, it's not that number because everybody feels like one person to me. 
So it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, get the email. I focus all my attention on you. So between Saturday and today, I've had a ton of people starting their first file new universal app and have questions about the shared folder. And that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Exploring, learning. Um, and so my events typically kind of, their topics are at my whim or whatever is really trending at that time. App Studio, for example, there was about two or three months where I would I went to different user groups and I showed them how to build an app studio app and download the source code um, and just, you know, play with the data templates. On my blog, I have a couple posts where it shows you how to add sample data using Blend to your app studio app so you can really play around and, and tweak those data templates to give it a personal feel. And, you know, and then there are the events where they know nothing about XAML. So I'll do HTML5 user groups. Uh, and there's a lot of anti-Microsoft sentiment. Uh, last week, I taught a class at BU. It was um, a bunch of Java guys. But I engaged in conversation. I asked them, what is it about Windows Phone that you don't like? And most of the time, they just don't know. All they think of is Microsoft. And it's just they don't look any further than that word. So I throw up the emulator or I'll plug in my phone and show them my start screen. And then the interest peaks. There's always one or two guys that will just you know, throw tomatoes if you could. But you ignore them and you do your best for the people that are interested. And since last week, there's already been two apps published out of the six guys that were in the class. Well, that's pretty cool. You know, it's just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's uh, anybody who knows about the Nokia Ambassadors or about the develop.com website knows about the other. But really, what what is the relationship between the two? I mean, are, is, is it by the same group or is there a little bit of separation? Between what? Between the, the develop.com website and the Nokia Ambassador program. Can you just kind of okay. explain that a little bit? Okay, so develop is pretty much our lineage um we started at the same time develop was the initial idea and but it it started on its own parallel path while the ambassadors were on their own parallel path but as develop grew it was our job to involve people to show the rewards so the whole for the people that uh, that are listening today aren't who aren't familiar with develop it's a site that lays out a bunch of challenges for you to complete the challenges an app that you publish one of the most recent ones is uh, about camping. So you go and you find a campground, you build an app that shows the user all the features of the campground, you publish it to the store, and your developer profile is linked with your Windows Phone developer account. So it can see, it syncs up about every 24 hours, it does it automatically for you, but it syncs up with any published apps you have. You just go into the challenge and you select it, you submit the app that you had built for it you can submit any app but it'll fail if it's not the one that you built for that challenge then you get xp it's just like uh xbox gamer points except that you get to spend it on real life stuff like an xbox if you want or gift cards or new phones but you get rewarded and uh while i'm doing my user groups or i'm doing my events uh develop day is directly tied to develop where you did a survey that proved that you were there. And when you did complete the app, you'd get a code and the code would give you the phone. Then there are the events that I hold that are just me that aren't related to develop. Um, but behind develop, there's nothing much. It's not directly linked to anything than itself. There is a Nokia developer site 
which is a global version of develop without the rewards. It's just, it's like MSDN for Nokia. All right. So we know that you cover Boston. You mentioned Nick covers kind of the New York area. How do we find out who our Nokia ambassador is in our area and how do we reach out to them if we need assistance? Um, Outside of reaching one of us directly, you could always go to develop.com. That's spelled D-V, as in Victor, L-U-P.com, forward slash ambassadors. Um, I think it's – I'm going to pull it up right now. I think it's actually in the bottom left. Okay. Uh, Yep, I'm on it here too. So I see different regions. Oh, yeah, it has the ambassador list down at the, uh, the bottom. And it's a nice little video, and you see a, a map of the country with different yep. color codes. And there's a list, and you see our Twitter handles. Uh, Twitter is usually a very good way to get in touch with us because uh, we generally – me personally, I'm pretty neurotic about answering my tweets before I answer emails. But I, I don't like seeing that badge on my Twitter tile that says <laughs> how many tweets I have unanswered. So. Right. Uh, uh, but all the guys are great guys. They're great teammates. We travel a lot together. We go to events like Build, um, or you know, we might go to Seattle to round do a roundtable with Microsoft and Windows Phone teams uh, to make sure that every developer has everything they need. We yeah, do this in a varied, you know, so many different ways we can do this for you. So the, what it really comes down to is, are you interested? Yes, contact us, and then we will work it out, whatever you need, and figure it out. Yeah, if you want to, uh, if you go to that ambassador page, what I would do is I would follow each of the ambassadors on there. There's probably the, you know, the the, the amount of knowledge that you'd probably get from that group of people would be amazing. Yep, the only one I don't see there they haven't updated is uh, uh, Robert. He his Twitter handle is the Cheeky Taurus. Mm-hmm. He covers Northern California. Uh, so the map is a couple weeks out of date. We just recently took on Robert Schubert, who on Twitter is at the Cheeky Taurus. So I guess that that plays into my next question that I had lined up was, is, it, is there any changes to your mission since um, Nokia was sold to Microsoft or are things kind of going pretty much as they always were for you guys? Well, we're a little bit insulated. Um, so during the change, of course, the infrastructure changed where my email went from at Nokia to at Microsoft. But the ambassadors, we're an external program, and our mission is just simply to help that. It doesn't matter what's going on in, internally, um, regardless of what happens down the road right now. As of this, as of this moment, we're still doing what we're doing. Uh, it's business as usual. Develop. It's business as usual. Um, but... You know, worst case scenario, let's say something did happen. Each one of those guys in those, including myself, are still here to help you. You know, I'm an MVP. It, it, regardless of whether or not I was working for Microsoft, it, it, it's still I'm here to help you. And each one of those guys in the list still feel the same way. And that's why they are ambassadors. Yeah. So Jason had talked about a little bit earlier about like how many apps that you've done. Can you tell us anything that you're working on now? Yeah. Um, so let me actually start off. So if you're if you're listening today and you're you haven't done an app yet, I just do one. Doesn't matter how bad it is. 
I still have my worst app ever published still visible on my account. <laughs> you know, this is to show that it doesn't matter where you start, just get it done and play with it. You know, at one point, I only worked with XAML. I didn't do any C-sharp, so it was all done in blend with the animations and stuff. Um, but as I learned more, it became my app became more sophisticated and, you know, the better I did. Uh, so one of my more popular apps, and I won my first hackathon for it, is called Video Diary. Uh, this is back when Windows Phone 7 didn't allow you to record any video that was not put on your camera roll. So I wanted to provide a way that you could record private diary entries or private video that would just stay inside the isolated storage of the app. Mm. And um, I still have 70 to 80,000 users. Uh, it's got 156,000 downloads, I think, somewhere around there. All my apps total, I have um, approaching 800,000 downloads. But that particular one is I'm the most proud of because it's the first time that I really dug in and and tried. So every time that there was a bug, I'd release an update. Every time there was a user feedback, I'd work on it, respond to the user, make the changes in the app, and publish it. And it was my first experience with catering to the users above and beyond anything else. Uh, and that brings me to that's my current project. So like I said, it was developed for Windows Phone 7. So there are many phones out there today where the experience has changed. The, the video is sideways. Some camera sensors aren't working as expected. On the 520, the screen goes blank if it starts recording. So this is using the old file sync approach where you just take it and you sync it to an MP4. So I'm starting from scratch, and I've made it a universal app. So I think in about 30, 45 days, I'll have a beta ready. To anybody that has, uh, in order to be a linked universal app too. So if you purchase the front-facing camera unlock, you'll still have it in Windows. Um, you still own it across all your devices, and the experience is much better. Uh, I've been right now. I'm in the prototype phase where all the video recording is working, and uh, next step is the UI. It it high def. It works across all the different tablets I've used and the phones I've used. Um, so I'm really looking forward to providing that and delivering it to my users to, you know, reward them for their their loyalty pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty cool, especially like you said, bringing something that's from the Windows Phone 7 days, bringing it forward. I know there's a lot of people out there that still have Windows Phone 7 apps or have recently made the transition and their apps, not all of them come with them. So, you know, not letting your users down is huge. Yeah. You know, look at the downloads for each app and, and, you know, if you have any sort of analytics in there that I tell you how many people are still using it, um, they do that. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to actually update it to Windows Phone 8 to keep it alive at least. Uh, it's just open in Visual Studio, right click, retarget the Windows Phone 8. Then you can worry about, give yourself, you know, six more months to worry about moving it to 8.1. Or if you have the time now, do it in one stop, one shot to 8.1. Uh, but that said, be aware of the limitations of Silverlight 8.1. You might have some things that still need 8.0. Uh, if you have any questions about that, I'm always available to help. There's a list of things that aren't available. For example, uh, capture cam uh, camera photo chooser task. That's an 8.0 Silverlight task that's part of the uh, OS, which is an amazing OS feature for devs. You just new it up and say show, and it brings you back a photo or a user, uh, a new photo or a user chosen photo from the camera rolls. 
or albums or whatever. You're the dev. You're just four lines of code and you're done. You know, things like that uh, aren't always available in 8.1, but they're doing their best to you know move everything in as we evolve. So if somebody's looking for an app idea, would it be a good idea to, you know, I just thought about this when you were talking about the, 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 the seven apps, the Windows Phone 7 apps, you know, go through the store, look for the, the Phone 7 apps that haven't been updated. You know, maybe they had a lot of people, a big following, but, you know, there's just a, the developer has, has disappeared or, you know, hasn't really kept up to date on it. Is, would that be yep. a good opportunity? I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. No, that that is sage advice. Uh, whether it be the Windows Phone Store, the iOS Store, whether it be you know, go to any store that you see a popular app that's missing from Windows Phone, uh, you can be an overnight sensation, make a lot of money really quick. Uh, you know, make sure that you monetize them correctly. I recommend. It depends on the app, but generally speaking, I recommend making the app free so you have the most visibility and the most accessibility by users. Uh, you'll have. It, the current ratio is maybe one to ten. So for every one download you would have gotten with a paid app, you'll get ten with free. And then that same number transfers over to purchases. So if you do the trial, uh, but I think it should be free when you offer in-app purchases to either unlock ads. So if you wanted to make your uh, monetize your app with an ad at the top. So there are pretty much two different types of users out there. Ones that don't mind the ad and ones that hate the ads. Uh, the ones that hate the ad don't mind paying the doll- the 99 cents or the dollar 29 to remove the ads out of the app. You could also, I recommend this as well, you put in a donate button and the donate button goes to a page that offers different values. Uh, so you can have a donate $1, donate $5, donate $10 to you. And you've made the app completely free with no ads. And you'd be surprised at how much revenue you make just from doing that. Yeah, I've noticed that the apps that I have that are free compared to paid, I would say it's even more than one one to 10 ratio. It's huge. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you've given us a lot of tips, a lot of great advice. Anything that, any advice that you would give to, you know, a new developer, aspiring developer, somebody who even has a few apps out there, any additional advice or tips that we may yeah. have left out? Um. So let's say that you might've done one app or you've done none. Definitely go check out Bob Tabor's video. It doesn't matter. I went back and redid the series again, and you still find new things. So Bob Tabor has a video series on Channel 9. It might have gotten moved to Microsoft Virtual Academy, but you'll find it just by searching. Or you guys can put the link on the uh, show notes or something. Is this the one with uh, tons of different parts? It's the Windows Phone 8.1 development for absolute beginners? Yep, that's the one. Yep, I found it. It's a whole series. Great series. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Yep, it's uh, it's great. He takes you through part, part by part, and teaches you things. He also has a fun uh, C sharp fundamentals for absolute beginners, something similar. Mm-hmm. That's a good one as well. Um, especially if you're new to Windows Phone, you might be jumping in. You might have a little familiarity with XAML. Do the C sharp class too, because he he goes into a little bit about inheritance and some of the great things that C sharp does. It makes you more aware of what you're working with and can increase your you know you might. Now start abstracting certain things into your view model or whatever, and you become a better developer, even if you are experienced. So I highly recommend going back and doing some of those classes. Okay. Yeah. So we'll put that, uh, we'll put that into the show notes for everybody. Um, so one thing, whenever I was looking at a little bit of your background, one thing that I saw was that you were, 
you were part of the team that won the hackathon at build 2013, which I thought was a pretty, it's a pretty big accomplishment in my mind. Uh, yeah, that, that's yeah, so I wanna, much fun. Yeah. I want to hear what that experience was like. <laughs> uh, I, I have a thing for hackathon. So before I came <laughs> an ambassador, um, I've never lost a hackathon. Uh, so when this one came up, I had to do it. Uh, I like Netduino and, and adding in that hardware flair to software. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some experience with Bluetooth and communication between Windows Phone and different uh, Bluetooth module, and you can easily pass data to a stream socket. It's pretty simple once you see it. And uh, so what we did was we uh, – this, this is advice for any hackathon. doesn't mean just to build hackathon. You look at the available categories, and you think of ways to implement it into your app. So you make your you, you widen the scope of what your project is. So we had a Windows 8 app, we had an Azure implementation for leaderboards. This will make sense when I explain what it does. Uh, we had NetDuino, it's a hardware aspect, and we had Windows Phone. So the way I'll start off as the user and give you the user experience. There's this little 3D printed disk that has an Apple logo on it. The Apple logo underneath it has a pressure sensor, which is connected to a NetDuino, which has a Bluetooth adapter on it. And then there's a person holding a Windows phone, and it has this pretty little gauge on it. So then your goal is to hit that Apple logo as hard as you can. So when you hit that, it senses how much pressure you've done, uh, and it over, I think I did it for 20 milliseconds. So I sampled the whole hit. Uh, every 20 milliseconds got a value of how hard you hit it, so you'd see a nice little waveform. The Windows Phone uh, captured that data and then sent it up to Azure. In Azure, we had a leaderboard and toast notifications sent down to the Windows 8 client, which had a bunch of teller charts and a leaderboard to show who the person was that hit it the hardest. So, And we called it iSmack. <laughs> So it was pretty cool. Uh, we had a long line of people waiting to hit it, and it actually broke. So I had to run back to Radio Shack and get some liquid um, liquid wire. It's just like nickel that's in a solvent so to fix the sensor. But it was a good time. Um, and uh, that was my first chance to get a Nokia 925. The Lumia 925 is a beautiful device. It was before it got released. So that was my incentive to get, get that done. Even though I was an ambassador, I didn't have one yet. So I wanted it. Yeah, but, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, hackathons are awesome. That's how I came up with Video Diary. That's where I got the idea for Video Diary. So even if you're sitting at home and you don't have any app ideas, go to a hackathon, team up with someone. In Boston, there's one coming up for uh, PayPal. It's called Battle Hack. Mm-hmm. Don't come to the Boston one because that's what I'm going to. Yeah, we did have an episode on Battle Hack before. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yep. Uh, I was a judge for the New York City one last year, but this year I'm not involved as a judge, so I'm going to participate. So I'm looking forward to that. Pretty cool. Uh, any other questions, Carl? Are we ready to move nope. on? Okay. Uh, so now we're getting to our Azure pick of the week. We got a good one this week. So it's not a particular feature, but it's a uh, free ebook. So this one was written by a couple people, including the goo himself, Scott Guthrie. And it's called uh, Building Cloud Apps with uh, Microsoft Azure. So you can download it in a couple different formats. We'll have a, a link to it in the show notes. He gave a presentation talking about some of the topics in here, but I uh, skimmed through the book so far and, and it's it's pretty good. It it just goes through and, and talks about, you know, a lot of different features and it, it tries to tie a lot of those features together. 
I haven't, uh, didn't get a chance to read it yet, but it, it looks like it's a, a really good book. So make sure that you uh, check that one out. And Carl, what's the app of the week? So this is actually a pretty, uh, pretty big app. It's called Stealthy Camera. And what it does is it utilizes the video on your phone and it turns the phone into a web server. So you can, on a browser on the same network, you can log into like 192.168.1.whatever or whatever your IP address is, it'll tell you on the phone what to go to. So you don't have to worry about that, but it'll stream the video that you're capturing to the website. So somebody on the website can, can view that remotely. So you could turn it into, you know, a surveillance camera. Um, you can play games with it, all sorts of things. Uh, you can also record the video. You can take the re- video that you've recorded and stream it on the, on the, to the website remotely as well. Um, there's a bunch of other things you can use the website to, uh, flip, uh, the, the video on and off to flip to front back cameras, all sorts of things. Um, I, I was actually, when I was researching this, I was playing with this with my kids. I would give them the phones and just let them go throughout the house and let some of my other kids sit back and watch them, you know, just kind of create and explore and have fun with the dog and all that stuff. So, uh, it's got a free trial. It's a, it's a buck to buy it. It's well worth the, you know, hours of fun that you and your kids can have with it. Or, um, or if you're just into surveillance, I mean, there's a lot of options with this. So that that brings up a good point. Now you have to, so while the app, the app has to be running right for for you to stay connected. It it will work under the lock screen with the screen turned off. Um, it, it calls that stealthy mode. Okay. So, But, but if you go into a different app, it turns off. Uh, I, I didn't test that scenario per se, but I would assume okay. so. Yeah, I guess it could. Well, that'd be interesting because I guess I could act as like a video VoIP service. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious if that works because you could you could almost rig these does, things up. You know, you could use that uh, app corner feature that we talked about and set that as the only app that works on the phone. And you could use that as part of your home surveillance system, especially you buy probably the the 520. You know, you can get that thing for 45 bucks every once in a while. I've seen it go that low. Um, it starts to maybe make sense as a, as a security camera, but I think as a kid's toy, I mean, both of my, uh, kids have, well, my one son has a windows eight phone with a broken screen. Cause I dropped it on the floor. Um, so, you know, he might want to play, <laughs> he might want to play around with this. That, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Or, or you could earn a, a phone off of develop. So there's another option. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I need, yeah, I need to get my, uh, my kids to start building some apps so they can get some free phones. Oh, hey, I mean, speaking of kids, at Develop Day, we've had a couple show up. And as a matter of fact, one of them is now on the App Studio's main page. Uh, he's his The news of him and his app spread like wildfire. He's eight years old. Uh, and now he's front and center on, on App Studio. So get your kids involved. App Studio is a great way to start because they don't have to worry about the code yet. Mm-hmm. You get them involved and interested in building the app and seeing it. There, there was something magical about seeing your work come alive in a device that fits in your hand. Right. There, there's no way to really describe that with words other than you to do it. And that's kind of what, you know, the ambassadors do. You try to show that magic by having you experience it. So if you have, you know, kids that are interested in technology and, you know, or if they just like apps, period, just show them App Studio. And uh, you can go to apps. I think it's appstudio.com. 
uh, and just have them build an app with their favorite YouTube characters and they'll see it come to life in their hands and then might want to learn more. Yeah. Kids love to build this stuff. My, my son came home one night and he's like, yeah, we were, we were making slideshows at, at, at school using PowerPoint. He's like, do I have PowerPoint on my computer? I'm like, well, I can put it on there. And, and I actually <laughs> use the, use the web version. And, uh, you know, he sat in there for hours just making PowerPoint presentations. I, I just got such a kick out of that. So kids, they just love to create things. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So Lance, I appreciate you ha- having you on, uh, you joining us. So, uh, where can people find you and your work? Um, the quickest way to reach me is on Twitter. It's Lance W McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can email me. Uh, I think the best way, instead of explaining my whole email, just do <laughs> lance.wpdev at outlook.com. Okay. And uh, I have a blog, just lancemccarthy.com. We'll bring you right to it. Uh, if you want to see any of my apps, uh, there's some I can't mention on the show. I'm pretty lighthearted when it comes to building apps. Uh, so if you just look up Lancelot software, you'll see all of my apps. Check out Kiss Dictionary. It's my latest <laughs> release. has an Azure backend. It's, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, pretty cool. Yeah, we'll include a link to all of that, uh, all of your sites in the in the show notes here. If you want to send feedback to the show, you can email us at feedback at msdevshow.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. And uh, you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. And where can they find you, Carl? You can find me at wpdevguy.com or twitter.com slash carlschweitzer. Perfect. Thanks again, Lance. Thank you guys for having me. It's been an honor.